Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us to our website at www.thelatterrain.org. And also keep in mind that our English audio messages are available as podcasts through iTunes. You can look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcast as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. In today's message, we'll be looking at the general problem of sin in the church. In today's modern universal church, there are a lot of things that are happening that should not happen. Things that interfere with God manifesting His power, the movement of the Holy Spirit, and ultimately the spreading of the gospel. Rather than the church being a positive impact on the world, the church is being impacted by the world, and thereby ushering in disorder, chaos, and destruction. We'll ultimately look at the importance of being transformed, and regenerated individually and as a group so the church can continue being the light to a dark and lost world. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we listen to today's message. Let us go to the Lord in prayer and ask for guidance, direction, and clear understanding. Let us also pray that the Lord give us a humble and soft heart to listen, so we can be touched and act in a way that brings glory to God. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, may you be praised and exalted forever and ever, Lord. Lord, you are worthy to be praised, worthy to be raised on high, Lord God, for you and you only are worthy of all. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you please Forgive our sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, that you may guide us, that you may direct us, that you may help us have a clear understanding, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to have soft and humble hearts before you. Help us, O oh Lord, to be sensitive to your word, to your Holy Spirit, to what you want us to take in. And help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, that in everything that we do, that we may bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our main scripture passage reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is what God's word says. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. 
But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. It appears that sin has always been a part of the universal church of Christ, which is understandable, especially if we understand the concept of sin, that we are born with it, and that even though we may have come to Christ, we are all still sinners. The only difference is that there should be between a believer and a non-believer is that the believer has been forgiven, that a believer does not ignore the dreadful impact of sin, no matter if it is small or great, and therefore that the believer should not be complacent with sin, but rather deal with it. We read in today's passage that a person was doing something very wrong to the point that it was uncommon to even find this kind of wrong within the unbelieving world. And the type of sin that was happening was so wrong that drastic measures needed to be taken to remedy the situation. We read that they should not be tolerant of the situation. Furthermore, we read that if it, there were people that were practicing sin, people that called themselves believers, that they should not even keep company with them. These were all very difficult things the early church was dealing with. What is happening in today's church? Unfortunately, we're having even worse problems. If we put on for a moment God's glasses, if you will, through the lens of the Bible and we look at the church objectively, we would be able to see that sin is running rampant everywhere. The big difference between now and then is that we have, in general, a much larger group of people within the church in complete disarray and the leadership of the church is not only complacent and a part of the problem, but many are condoning such activity. There are no Pauls or overseers of the church that are instructing to deal with sin. There is no real church discipline. As we mentioned last week, there is more leadership worried about how to extract money from their church groups and telling people what they want to hear so they keep the masses entertained than teaching biblical truth so people can convert, be saved, and grow and mature as God desires. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't realized it yet, we are living in the end times and prophecy is being fulfilled even to the smallest detail. And if we don't react at a personal level as well as impact our surroundings, we'll be a part of the group that allowed the greatest decline in all of history. It sounds terrible and well, that's because it is something terrible. And God is keeping track of all of this. Now, some might say, if you are saying that it is the end and that this is what is supposed to happen, then what are we supposed to do? And the answer is, even though things are supposed to happen a certain way, God is looking what every single person is doing. And contrary to popular modern Christian belief, every single person will give an account before Almighty God without exception. That is the truth. For even when Satan gains his foothold on the world as the beast and the Antichrist, the Bible tells us that there will be a group of believers that will resist him. The problem that we have today is that as a group, we are not only yielding to the world system, but even more so many 
the great majority of so-called believers are living a lifestyle that is the same, if not worse, than what the world teaches. And the world itself is saying, where is the difference between us and the church? And I hear constantly the word hypocrisy associated with the universal church. The problem is that unlike the world in general, we the church, those that have been exposed to God's truth in one way or another, know what is right, but are not willing to follow it. Many have been enlightened with God's truth and instead of clinging on to it, they would much rather keep living the world's ways. So there is such a thing as being responsible for the truth. Once you know the truth, you are liable for it. As a church of God, we need to be salt and light of the world. We are the ones that need to bring life into the world to help people realize that the answer to everything can be found in Christ. But if we don't believe it or are not even convinced ourselves, even though we have heard and supposedly accepted the gospel message, then how are we then able to share with others and to share in such a way that the world can see it in our lives? There may be new churches opening up, although there are more that are closing every day. But we're only gathering people to a group rather than winning souls for the kingdom of God. People in general are not converting. They are not being transformed by the power of God. And the problem is that sin in the church is what does not allow for revival or God's works to be seen. This is why we don't see the great groups of people that used to come to Christ before. This is why we don't see the miracles and wonders of God on a regular basis. This is ultimately why we are not convincing the world with our faith, because quite frankly, our faith as a group is incredibly weak. And why? Again, because of sin. We need to clarify something. And I hope this will help put things into perspective. Yes, we're all still sinners and we will sin until the day we die. However, there is a huge difference between sinning, like making occasional mistakes every now and then, and the practice of sin. According to the Bible, that is the monumental difference between both. The issue we have in the church in general is that the practice of sin is rampant and the church leadership does not do anything about it. Actually, quite the contrary. Many church leaders condone up to a certain point and even encourage this behavior with faulty doctrines because they want to keep people happy. It's like the parent that thinks that loving your son or daughter means that they give in to everything they want and that you never correct them and never teach them the right things they should be doing. Kids don't educate themselves. They need to be trained. And that includes keeping them in check, not spoiling them, but raising them with godly principles. If we say we're believers, God forbid, right? The Bible is very explicit and clear in that no one that practices sin shall inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 to 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, 
that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so this is not legalism what we're talking about. Legalism is not teaching that a Christian should be living a transformed life. This is sound Bible teaching. So if someone tells you that you can sin and don't worry about a thing because God has forgiven you and it's all okay because God accepts you as you are, they are outright lying to you. They're telling you what you want to hear, but that is not what the Bible teaches. The only person that can inherit is a son or a daughter. So it clearly states that if you are practicing sin, if these things are a part of your lifestyle, your everyday life, even though you may be a son or daughter of God, supposedly, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, we do need to worry about sinning, about practicing things that go against God. God accepts you and takes you in just as you are when you come to him with a fully repentant and converted heart. But that doesn't mean that you can stay the same way you came to him. The whole reason why we need to repent and convert is so that God can transform us through the Holy Spirit and his word so we can become regenerated and new people. He takes in something that is lost and torn and broken and stained and turns it into a wonderful and magnificent treasure. That's the point. That's why Christ died on the cross. That's the purpose of God for our lives. But if that doesn't happen and we continue down the path of the world, then Christ died for nothing. His death is of no value. So why do we have these sin problems within the church? Why are we all screwed up as a group? The root problem is disbelief. Many people do not believe as they should. There's no real concept of God, of who He is, and what we are supposed to be doing. Many might say they understand and believe, but that's not the case. Many so-called believers are in a worse place than demons, if you can believe that. The Bible teaches us this in James chapter 2, verse 18 to 20. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So demons not only believe, but they tremble. Many people might say they believe but they certainly do not tremble. There is no respect for God. And of course, if there is no real faith, no fear for God, then there are no works for God because our faith should produce good works. But how can anyone produce works that glorify God if they're more concerned with living their life their way and doing those things that go against God? Because again, they are in a worse position than a demon. Disbelief is the number one problem and this is what does not allow for God to work. Many people are just not convinced and that is not God's problem. That is people's problem. God has done everything and more so people can believe. So it is a choice that people are making to not believe in God even though they say they believe. Mark chapter 6 verse 1 to 6 tells us about the great issue of disbelief and how it interfered with God's work. For it says, 
Then he, talking about Christ, went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. If we say we believe, then our faith should take us to be changed, to be transformed. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 to 29 says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all in cleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off Concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. When we practice sin, we can even grieve the Holy Spirit. For it says in Ephesians chapter 4, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We need to be transformed. We need to be changed. We need to allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to work in our lives. Being renewed and transformed should be a part of every single believer. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are many folks that completely misunderstand God's grace. And they teach people not to worry about sin, to pretty much ignore a sin problem, and to always consider that God's grace is enough to deal with anything. Yes, that is true. 
but the Bible will never encourage abuse. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 to 4 teaches us this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And finally, Hebrews chapter 12 establishes that if we don't allow the process of sanctification, if we don't pursue holiness, then all is lost for that person. For it is written, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Many people, especially Christians, complain about the world and that it is a terrible and dreadful place. Many choose to just point the finger at other people, thinking that they are better than the next person. But the truth of the matter is, is that God's expectation is for every believer in Christ to live an ever-changing and transforming life so that we can be salt and light to a world that is lost. But if we as a church are lost ourselves, then there is no hope. There is no visible sense of God's power and grace. There is one of the main reasons for why our newer generations are committing suicide. Because even though they may have everything society tells them they need to have, they still feel incomplete and hopeless. Because no matter how much we develop as people and how much science and technology we have, Jesus is still the answer to mankind. Finding faith and hope in God is the only thing that can fill the void in every person's heart if we truly believe. But if there is no faith, no obedience, no visible sign of the Lord working in people's lives, then no other human being will be able to experience God either. This belief is what stops the progress of the gospel. There is too much disbelief in the universal church of God. We say we believe, but our lives and our works reflect something very different. We are to produce life, not to continue living in the death and destruction that Jesus aims to free every person from. Jesus died on the cross so our hell-bound destiny could be broken and so we could have the hope of salvation, so we could be transformed and changed, so we could live out God's purposes here on earth and into eternity. If we do not allow to, for God to work in our lives because we are convinced of the truth, then we will not see the Lord and we will miss out on all of the great things He still desires to do. People change. But God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. Will you accept God's challenge today to continue fighting the good fight and being a part of God's work on earth rather than being a part of Satan's influence to destroy yourself and all of humanity? Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us to truly 
understand your grace. The grace that you have shown us through your son, Jesus Christ. That it is truly wonderful and remarkable and incredible in every kind of way. And unfathomable. Almost, almost not understandable. Heavenly Father, help us to, to value what you have done, what you have given us. And that it is not something that we should take lightly and abuse and take advantage of and and and, and just use it for whatever we want to use it for. And worst of all, help us, O oh Lord, not to use it as, as a license to sin. Lord God, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be saved through him. So that our lives could be rescued from sin and from destruction and from the tyranny that Satan wanted to, to, to put on us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that, that we truly need to repent and convert from all of our sins without exception. And that, Lord God, that through that decision of making you truly the Lord of our lives, that we should let you work in our lives. That we should put away those things that, that never did any, anything good for us, Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand, to have our eyes wide open and to be able to, to understand clearly that we need to steer away from sin. We need to turn away from sin. We need for your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We need, Lord God, for your word to cleanse us, Lord God, to, to make us new and different people, regenerated and transformed, so that not only we could be benefited, Lord God, but also those around us that are looking for answers, looking for a why, for a reason to live, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord to be able to be that answer to this lost and dark world. Heavenly Father, help us to be convinced, to have a living faith. I pray for each person that is listening, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may be able to work in their lives in a mighty way. And that, Lord God, that, that all of this that we're saying through your word, that it may just become real to them. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. Please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.